This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, it's William Tincup, and you are listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today we have Shane on from Rollbot, and our topic today is the great resignation. It's more like the great desperation. So Shane and I uh, are friends, and this is going to be fun. It's going to be fast, and I can't wait to get into it. But before we do, let's do some introductions. Shane, would you do us a favor and introduce yourself and Rollbot? Of course. Uh, my name is Shane Bernstein, founder and CEO of Rollbot. We are the world's first and only AI-powered job board for passive talent. What does that mean exactly? We serve the other 75% of the skilled workforce, the ones that never apply for a job. Done. Boom. Sounds like you've been fundraising because you got your pitch down. And it's like, bam, 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 bam. I love that. I love it. Fundraising never ends. Uh, no, in no it's a world. hamster wheel. That's what they don't tell you. Yeah. That's the, it's a hamster wheel. It never stops. Oh, no, I got my this round. It's like, no, it just keeps going. You're always selling. Always, You're always selling. Always. And you know what? That's not a bad thing because you, you, you literally just got through your description and, and it's like in a tweet. And it's just super, super simple for folks to understand. So let's start off with desperation. Like this thing has been absolutely like whatever PR firm came up with the title, great resignation, they should immediately be fired. So the, cause, cause it's just, it's, it's incorrectly branded. So absolutely. let's start there. Absolutely. This is the biggest uh, butchered word or expression out there. Uh, the great resignation only exists for low-wage workforce. Uh, the unfortunate factor is that uh, every corporate, America, every company in corporate America out there has taken this narrative and leveraged it um, as the great resignation. When in fact, it's really a poor excuse uh, for letting their leadership know and their their you know the powers to be at their company know that they can't seem to backfill roles like they used to. They can't seem to fill roles like they used to. And they blame it on this great resignation when, in fact, it is purely great desperation. Uh, the great resignation uh, is still happening, um, but uh, it's not from corporate white collar uh, workforce. It's from low wage workers, hospitality, restaurant, medical services, those types of roles. Um, and unfortunately, you continue to see it over and over and over again. Um, so this is an excuse. And it and it's and we'll and we'll talk to we'll talk hourly and high volume. We'll split the baby. You know, we'll say okay. Over in this world, you know, there are companies obviously during the pandemic that are absolutely affected, and there were companies on both sides that thrived, and there were companies that obviously didn't thrive. Um, so you had all of those spikes, but you, you know, your fifteen dollar an hour person is making the decision. Yeah, I don't want to do that, and so that's a different bit than what you hear in a popular media about the, you know, VP of marketing somehow coming to some career crisis <laughs> of some, t- some type of moral dilemma of should I work or not? 
Yeah, yeah, no, that's not happening. That's that's. Uh, but 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 what, what I what I love about your take on this is this is just camouflage for poor process, poor technology, poor collaboration, and it's basically excuse making. Yeah, poor adoption, poor um, poor progression. Really, you know, there's companies out there. And there's a number of individuals out there that are progressive people in general, progressive company. They they hear new things, they see smoke signals, and they make changes, and they start to adapt. Uh, but then there's everyone else, let's call it the 99%, um, that just wait. Uh, and, and COVID, this pandemic, was a tipping point. Uh, and this tipping point, you know, after the fact, when we all stopped hiring or we laid off because of COVID for whatever reason, and then it came back all at the same time, uh, the fact of the matter is we just weren't prepared uh, to hire uh, in the new way in which it is, in which, you know, people aren't applying for jobs. Um, and, uh, you know, we, you know, we're putting out our norm. We're using our same tools that we've always had. People aren't applying and we're not getting what we used to get. Um, the, the, the kind of the, the general overview is nothing has changed in corporate America. Like people have always left their jobs. People always leave their jobs at the end of the year. They start their new jobs. They wait for their bonuses um, nothing has changed yet. We keep hearing the narrative, um, and the, the low wage workforce, you know, these folks aren't leaving their jobs and not coming back. They're just finding other jobs. Like there's a lot of call center jobs, like the move to remote work because of the pandemic, they're moving home. They're sitting at home, take, you know, jumping into call centers, doing work at home work for the, you know, stay at home work for the same amount of money if not more, or they don't more. have to show yeah. up. They don't have to take these crazy shifts. They don't have to stand on their feet all day. They don't have to take abuse from in your face customers at a restaurant or, or at a front desk at a hotel. Um, they've decided, Hey, look, why don't we just stay home, make the same amount of money or more, have a career path. And that's it. So the, the folks that are trying to do things the same way, let's pick that apart for a second. Uh, and some of that's just LinkedIn recruiter, right? So the, the in-mails and kind of the same approach that worked in ish worked in 2019. The candidates have shifted in your mindset the, right. of what they're willing to tolerate and what they're willing to accept and will, what they're willing to, well, it gets them excited, right? So they're, they've changed. The recruiters, sourcers, hiring managers, they haven't. Correct. Correct. That's right. So th there's a myriad of things, but you know, this pandemic brought everyone stopped hiring. Everyone started hiring at the same time again. Post pandemic, I call it post pandemic economy. Everyone started hiring at the same time. Um, the, the 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 white collar workforce, you know, over 75% is passive, which is what we we share at Robot. They're not applying. So that's been you know job traditional job board postings have been dying for years. Um, but with this whole remote thing, where the pandemic essentially forced the global workforce and global companies to, to, to work from remote. Um, you know, this is an extra element on top of this, you know, this whole ecosystem that we're in that makes it much harder. Now, you know, you can hire people from anywhere. So companies that used to compete against three or four companies for the same talent are now competing against everyone across the world for that same talent. Um, posting jobs traditionally, because it's much easier, uh, float a little bit easier, much easier land people. Now people aren't, applying to jobs. People have to be sold. You have to pursue someone to get someone to join your company. They're not just going to show up. Um, and that's a trend that's, that's going, you know, the opposite way. So, you know, if you're expecting someone, you know, you say you have all these benefits, perks, everyone wants to work here. Uh, you know, you have the world against you 
pursuing the talent that you traditionally think that you, you know, have an opportunity to get. So it's, it, to me, this is really a, a deer in headlines moment uh, where you wake up, you know, and, and unfortunately this is happening to all of us at the same time. And you haven't made any changes. You haven't brought in new tools. You haven't brought in, you know, you haven't trained your workforce, your recruitment teams, your talent acquisition teams to pursue talent. You're very reactive, which should be much, you know, your, your reactive talent, your reactive in-house recruitment team should be much more proactive. They should be much more like a sales team versus a traditional, you know, receive, be reactive team, um, you know, put a KPIs in place. I mean, all of these things matter. And we come back from pandemic and we're the same. Right. And the candidate pool is completely different. They have to be pursued. So, you know, this let's is a moment of what do we have to do? We got to figure this out. Well, let's let's talk a little bit out. about some of the new skills, because you, you did touch on some of them. What do you think if you were building the perfect recruiter today? Because you've you know, you have a staffing background. You've 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 kind of run the gamut and you've seen and worked with a lot of recruiters. So you've kind of seen a bunch of models. If you were building one from scratch right now. What would it? What skills would they have? So um, recruiters, to me, you know, traditionally you have recruiters that have, you know, maybe they graduate college, they get a recruiter title. Um, and frankly, I've trained some recruiters in three to six months that were better than than you know some folks that have been in the business for twenty years. Um, a recruiter is like, you know, it's a, it's, you know, you can you can slash a title on and receive resumes. Anyone can do that, right? A resume comes in, you review it. You know, you get better at the, at the, at the, at the lingo and, you know, you can talk to talk, but it's really being proactive. It's a sales role. Um, I look at recruiters as salespeople. You have to sell. Uh, you have to be, you have to be a hustler. You have to be ambitious. You have to go out and get people and bring and convince them to come and talk to you. That's, that's really the skill set. Uh, that's the experience I like. Oftentimes recruiters have been recruiting too long the wrong way, not because it's their fault or just they've been trained, you know, probably not the right way. That's where I see most of the, the issue is really these teams and these departments, and these companies have just trained people the wrong way for so many years that there aren't a lot of well-trained recruiters out there to be effective uh, doing outbound recruitment. Um, it differs a little bit from a staffing agency. That's much more of an outbound uh, business because in staffing, you only make money if you close deals versus in-house recruitment. You know, you make the same amount of money from the, the day you start. Uh, so it's a very different uh, dichotomy. Um, but to me, it's sales. So I teach everyone coming in the door, you got to sell. You got to go after what you want. You got to hone in on what you want. Um, I would remove, I wouldn't use job boards right now, to be honest. Um, now it's different for, you know, low wage workforce, unskilled workforce, uh, for some of the, the, you know, types of roles that we mentioned before, hospitality, you know, uh, restaurants, warehouse merchandise. I mean, that the job boards are still very much, I think a big part of that ecosystem, but for the white collar workforce, it's just not effective anymore. And you get a much higher return investment if you pursue versus, you know, be reactive and wait. You're just not, it's going to be few and far between. So we've spent a decade talking about employer brand and career pages and, you know, all the stuff that we should have there to attract talent. And one of the things that you're, you're rocking people's world about is, yeah, well, that's great, but you still got to go out and sell. You got to still go out and go get those folks to then come back and consume that content, if they're even going to consume that content. So what, 
where do you where do you where do you fall right now on your on your thoughts around employer branding? I think well, employer branding is is uh, I think is critical. Uh, the question is, what do you what do you what narrative are you using to sell talent? Because I think for for so long we've been selling about our companies and about how you know whether we're making money, whatever the company does, right? Um, but I think candidates, their the talent pool in general, the, their focus has shifted. Like candidates care about what's in it for them. Um, it's no longer what's in it for the company. Why is the company so great? In fact, candidates don't even stay at companies very long. You know, one to two years on average. Certain professions a little bit longer, but on the average, about one to two years. So you have to change narrative. You have to sell. You have to sell someone on getting them interested in joining you for one to two years, knowing that they're probably going to leave. Uh, at that point. Um, and if you keep them longer, that's just gravy. That's fantastic. Um, so, you know, I'm selling, I'm encouraging people to sell mission. I'm encouraging people to sell, you know, what's in it for the candidate. How do they benefit? Um, the benefits are all, you know, benefits all being equal pay for the most part being equal, unless it's, you know, some publicly traded company with huge stock options outside of that. It's pretty comparable, um, impact they're going to make on the job impact they're gonna, their role is going to make what their growth opportunity is. Um, it's really what's in it for them is is the the general notion of what I'm look when I look at employer brand that's what you have to sell it's the team it's the person they'll be learning from it's the person they'll be reporting to it's the team teammates they'll be working with uh, that's the sell I think it's right now we're all selling macro and candidates care about the micro right right so can... to me that's where the sell has to change and maybe it's not a company thing maybe individual teams, or maybe there's ways to break down individual teams and sell those for specific roles. So did we get fat and lazy because we were in, we felt like we were entitled to 20,000 candidates applying for a job? <laughs> we may have, I, I mean, I think at one point it was easy. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, you know, we had newspapers that had the classified section yeah. that updated yeah. with technology to the job boards. Um, but times have changed and, you know, how long can you stay on the same, you know, technology and, and, you know, and get the same result? Now it's different. You know, there's more roles and there are people. And so with that creates, you know, kind of the opposite effect where you have to pursue because they're not coming in anymore. You know, what's interesting is I think even some of the brands we would have said, you know, two or three years ago, Facebook, Google, maybe Uber, you know, there's probably 20 or 30 brands that are like that, that, they don't have a talent attraction problem. They've got a filtering and screening and, you know, they've got a different issue and, and clearly because they've got more candidates than they can handle. But I've, I've talked to those firms in um, over the last couple of months and they're also not struggling. They would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't use that language, but it's not as easy as it once was for those brands as well. So it's, this isn't, we're not just, we're not, you know, we're not, it's like it, there was kind of a, a real stark disparity between kind of the, 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 the firms in Silicon Valley or, or, or Manhattan that were kind of the it or, or LA or something like that. They're just the it, like you just wanted that on your resume, you want it on your LinkedIn profile, whatever. And uh, I don't see that as much now. I don't, what do you see? Yeah, the, the, I see that too. The, the large companies, the Googles, the Amazons of the world, the Facebooks, they, they mm -hmm. have trouble just like everyone else. I think the remote aspect of, of post-pandemic uh, has created that. Yes. Um, and I also see, to your point, um, the, loyal, you know, the loyalty is not as there as much. Like, brand is important, but people are less, you know, 
yes, Google's great to have on your resume. Yes, Facebook, some of those companies. It is, but it, but it, maybe it isn't at the same time because now it's like, hey, I, I just want to get into a good company. I want to learn. You know, Having Facebook doesn't make me smarter than having a company I've never heard of on my resume. Um, and I think that's what people are seeing. So they'd rather just work. The work-life part has come into it, right? Right. Like, why do I have to move across town to, to work or across country to work here when I can work somewhere else? Uh, they're giving me a great learning opportunity. They're giving me an opportunity to learn from this person who, who filed patents or whatever their expertise is, whatever their experience is. They've been in this business forever. Um, it's less, you know, the company sell only goes so far. Right. I think when push comes to shove, it's about the micro uh, um, ecosystem that you will be working in. Yeah, right? the people and those experiences, with. those tangible experiences that, yeah. the, that they're going to offer up, they've got to do a better job of rendering and selling those experiences, the ecosystem, the mentors. It's all of all of those, your coworkers, all the, here's the team, all of those things, but it's sales. It's sales. selling those things rather than rendering it on a careers page or in a job description and going, okay, job's done. And, and on top of that, uh, William, I think, like the work there, the remote work atmosphere mm -hmm. has also, you know, you have a much higher advantage, especially a bigger company um, like the ones we just discussed right. uh, when you have people on site, right? They can see it. They can feel it. Oh, it's a good point. The, the colors, the high ceilings, the cement floors, the coffee being delivered, the swag smoothies, bag. Yeah. They see it. Um, when you have remote, people are removed from that. So, you know, they don't see it. They're not in it every day. They don't feel it. They almost lose that, that effect. Um, so companies have to do more. Um, yeah. Those companies can't take advantage of that anymore, especially those companies. Those are the, the more, in my opinion, more the progressive companies that are actually allowing, not all of them, but some of them are allowing for remote. They're going to lose their advantage very quickly Yes, uh, because of that. Yeah, because one of their, what, what used to be one of their competitive advantages was the really, really awesome office. That you know the beanbag chairs and all of that cool stuff again, massages and catered lunches and stuff like that. Well, you know, if you're living in Wyoming, you don't that luster is not there. It's job. Exactly. It, it was a job before. So let's not get get it twisted. It was a job before, but it was fun. You know, um, it's interesting that you 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 tackled kind of something that I've wanted to tackle for a while, and it's localization versus globalization. And, you know, there used to be pre-pandemic uh, back in my day, there was uh, this idea of employer of choice, you know, the best places to work, great places to work. And it was all regionalized, you know, is it, you know, Dallas had one, Ford has one, Chicago has one, every city has this little best places to work stuff. And it's like the talent doesn't that now the talent doesn't behave like that because commute in my at least in my opinion has become a curse word yep you know Agreed. so what do you what are you seeing like i mean again with you're you're looking at global talent and you're basically saying okay now the good news is you can get talent that's in uh, paris the bad news is so can everyone else exactly so yeah i, I, yeah, I mean I, I, the global talent is that's a huge opportunity i think to take advantage of and there's great talent everywhere uh, from, a diverse, from a diversity standpoint as well. Uh, I think it's wonderful. I mean, we, Robot, takes advantage of that as well. Uh, I think a lot of folks, while they have the opportunity, some, the, the, the larger companies, you know, have capabilities to do that. They also have been doing that for years. Or they've had offices overseas. 
uh, or near shore to be able to do that. Um, but the opportunity is there. I think there's a, there's still a fear level of going outside your borders, outside of your comfort zone uh, to try to capture talent. Um, but there's a lot of amazing talent, you know, outside of, of where we traditionally look. Uh, and, and I think companies should take more advantage of it. Um, I look at like the best place to work, you know, yes, I agree with you. It used to be, used to mean something, used to be some, some validity to it. Now I kind of, you know, it, to me, it's white noise. It's like every company is the best place to work. You see these, you know, every publications have these awards. Um, and it's, I almost compare it. I always have a comparison to these things. Like, you know, you, you're on, you're in a beach town and you drive down the beach and every sign on every restaurant says best burger on the beach or world's <laughs> best burger. And it's like, you know, at some level, everyone, tacos. <laughs> you know, down the strip has the world's best burger, then what truly is the world's best burger? And is that just, you know, hearsay, it's just marketing, right? So to me, it's, you know, I, I try to get away from that. These best, you know, at some level, how many best places, I mean, if every company in your city is the best place to work, you know, the no, What's the best the, place to work? Yeah, there is no best place to work. So um, you know. let's give it. Let's give executives something hopeful as we as we close this out because you and I are are simpatico on on this. Uh, and and so, how do they write the ship? And this is for HR talent executives, etc. How do they? Okay, they recognize. Okay, I we've got to. We've got to. We've got to. We've we can't do the same things and expect a different result. So what, what hope do they have? And what, what, what would you start with? Like, okay, take this, take a, you know, take your commission structure or, or your salary structure and add commissions. And that'll create what it creates in sale uh, in sales and in staffing is it'll create a culture of closing. And then, Oh, by the way, let's do some sales coaching. Let's actually hire sales coaches and, you know, go through that. Like what, and that's maybe the wrong advice, but what do you think that we can give them as advice to kind of right the ship and get out of the desperation? <laughs> yeah, totally. And, I mean, commission is not, you know, you know, putting in commission doesn't, you know, you don't get instant salespeople, but that is a step in the right direction. I would say first, you know, really look at your recruitment team uh, and, and your internal teams, figure out, so, you know, technology is one aspect. Uh, management is another aspect, and then the, the the team that you have in place. Um, I would look at the team I have in place, and you know, figure out if we can move them to a sales. I, frankly, I would look at a, you know, to run a recruitment team. I would look for more of a salesperson, um, someone who because you know, recruitment the, the KPIs are some most of these these in in house teams are just mismanaged, um, and they're mismanaged because they weren't trained properly from the beginning. So the folks that start as a you know, a talent associate or a recruiter, move up to a manager, director, VP, head, so on and so forth. And they've always just learned the wrong way. So they don't have KPIs. It's like, fill these roles. There's no like how many, you know, contacts we should be hitting one day, how many contacts right. we should be talking to. Sales metrics. Yeah, sales metrics. Um, so I would look at our teams. I mean, frankly, we pr most companies have more people than they need um, because these days we're just hiring like sourcers, recruiters, just to, we almost feel like if we hire them, if we have another body in the chair, we can increase the number of talent coming in. And that's just not the case because no. some are effective and some are not. And at the end of the day, if they're not managed properly, whether you have a hundred people in your department or 10, you're not going to get results. Uh, you could have the best technology in the world. You still wouldn't get results. Uh, LinkedIn recruiters, you know, the best kind of do it yourself, you know, um, 
a technology. Um, but you're only, you know, that, that tool is only as good as the user um, to be able to identify, not to get stuck in analysis paralysis, which is what a lot of, you know, uh, early stage or entry level, you know, recruitment professionals get stuck in. Um, you know, you can learn all of those things. To me, it's about the hustle, the work ethic. So what I would do is look at my team, figure out who can evolve into a sales role, bring in either a head of talent who, who understands these KPIs or look maybe more towards the sales direction. Try to find someone who manages a well-oiled machine on the sales side and bring them in and put that same well-oiled machine on the recruitment side. I think you'll see a, a significant change. You know, commission is part of that, although you don't have to. It could be like a bonus system or, you know, I mean, in-house recruiters get paid really well, I right. think, in general. So, um, you know, I think as long as you have KPIs and you have goals. Um, it's almost and- like, let's go get salespeople and teach them recruiting, the new way of recruiting. I mean, because rec- what is recruiting? It's you're instead of you're not going on touching customers and buyers. You're touch. You're going on touching candidates, but the sell is similar. Yeah. Like I'd yeah. like you to talk to me. I mean, the cool part is you're offering them something, right? Right. So, like in a traditional sales, you want someone to buy. You want someone to give you money. In this case, you're offering someone to someone that you would hopefully eventually start to pay. Um, but you still have to sell them That's because right. remember, candidates don't have. I mean, candidates don't need companies today at all. Nope. Uh, there's more than ample opportunity out there. They get multiple offers. We all see it. We all experience, you know, go no, that, we all they, starting you're competing with them also wanting, uh, to start their own business or be an entrepreneur or go back to school. You got all kinds of things. Shane, this has been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much a, for the topic and, uh, for the, for the wisdom. It's been awesome. My pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity to, to share you know insights and, and happy to, to share anything in the future so absolutely and, and thanks for everyone listening to the recruiting daily podcast until next time you've been listening to the recruiting live podcast by recruiting daily check out the latest industry podcasts webinars articles and news at recruiting